Today I lead you through the stream of consciousness process that led to this podcast, and I tell how migraines and Christianity, well, are perceived as being alike. I ponder briefly then if Christianity is like a pyramid scheme, and I give you a surprising glimpse into an obscure passage of scripture, and then, and then I take a really famous passage and suggest a whole new way of looking at it, all on the way to answering the question, does God play? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Now, if you're listening to this shortly after it's been posted, I'm currently halfway around the globe, or I'm in the process of trying to get there. Sarah and I are going to spend two weeks living on a scuba boat as we travel and dive in the islands of Indonesia. Now, a couple of interesting facts for you for no purpose, not related to the podcast, just for fun because I want to share them. Indonesia is comprised of 17,500 islands, actually a little more than that. It's the only place in the whole world where you will find in the wild Komodo dragons. Incidentally, you will find them on the island of Komodo. I mean, talk about an amazing coincidence, right? It boasts the second longest coastline of any country in the world. I know, you're wondering, well, who is number one? Who has the longest coastline? That'd be Canada. Though this is primarily a Muslim country, it is home to the largest Buddhist temple in the world. And I'm really excited about this trip because it's considered one of the best places in the entire world to scuba dive. Theoretically, I'm going to have some internet available to me on the boat, so if possible, I'll post some pictures, because I love to take underwater photographs. I'll post some pictures to the Facebook page, so if you're interested, check out Sky Pilot Faith Quest Facebook page, and hopefully I will have been able to post some pictures there. Now on with the actual topic of this podcast. Many years ago, during a retreat for high school kids, I heard a quote that has well, stuck with me ever since. It was basically this, said by someone who was not a Christian at the time. Most Christians carry their faith the way a person with a headache carries their head. They don't want to be rid of it, but they aren't altogether comfortable with it either. If truth be told, this is a prevailing sentiment about Christianity held, I think, by many non-Christians, at least in the culture in which I live. We seem to be the faith of people who are perceived as forever unhappy, or there is an alternative to that. We are equally the faith of people who seem to be trying way too hard to convince everyone around us how happy we are. I mean, I was on Facebook the other day and I ran across one person's Facebook page. This person is a Christian, and I know that because the last couple of things this person had posted on Facebook were about Christianity. Matter of fact, I kind of got curious because I only saw Christian-focused posts, so I started scrolling through the past posts on this person's page. The entire history of this person on the Facebook account was one post after another of Christianity-focused quotes, and most of them were little quips trying to convince the reader how happy or joyful following a Christ-focused life can make you. Now, let me say first, I was struck by a striking similarity between these posts 
and the posts of a person on Facebook who's become a part of a multi-level marketing cosmetic scheme. All of these Christian posts felt like she was trying hard, really hard, way too hard to sell everyone on Christianity. And yet, you know what this person's page didn't have? As much as they talked about the joy of being a Christian, you know what this person's page didn't have? They didn't have a single, actual, joyful post. No pictures they took of a beautiful or funny cloud formation that gave them joy. No pictures of laughing with a loved one, a friend, or a child. Not a single picture that actually contained joy. Just a lot of describing it as the product of a Christian life. Now, the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche was no fan of religion. He's most famously quoted as saying, God is dead, which may make you think he was the epitome of a wet blanket. I mean, who wants to be talking to this guy at a party and have him suddenly interject his thoughts into the conversation? God is dead. Okay, talk about a conversation group that's going to break up very quickly. But, but in his defense, he's more interesting than that. Matter of fact, he was a strong believer in the power of dance. Yep, you heard it, dance. Evidently, Nietzsche said he danced every single day. He once said, and this is an interesting quote, I would believe only in a God that knows how to dance. Now, you may not know much about Nietzsche, but you may well have heard the song composed by Leonard Cohen called Hallelujah. I was listening to this song recently, and it started me on this journey that led to this topic of this podcast. So the lyrics of the song say, Now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played to please the Lord. Rather than my quoting it to you, let me just let you listen to it for yourself. I've heard there was a secret card that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Now I let you listen to a little more of it than you needed to for this clip simply because I always find if somebody plays a clip of something for me that they're going to talk about and they cut it off too quickly, I can find it actually rather dissonant, even kind of painful to not get to at least hear the phrase of the full music that surrounded it. So anyway, that's what just happened. Okay, let's take a look at these lyrics and the journey they started for me. Did in the Bible David have a secret chord that David played to please the Lord? Well, no. Although he was certainly known to have amazing power in his music. Just a quick reminder here. The king before David was Saul, who was a gifted and troubled man. It seems that he had some sort of, I would describe it as mental illness, that's described as an evil spirit. And in 1 Samuel, we're told that whenever the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, David took the lyre, the instrument, and played it with his hands, and Saul would be relieved and feel better, and the evil spirit would depart from him. Now, if you 
I guess, want to stretch this a little bit. This passage does say that all of this was happening to Saul due to an evil spirit that had been sent from God. So I guess, theoretically, you could say David's music soothed God. But, okay, I think that stretches this passage a little too far. There certainly seems to be places in the Psalms that gives the impression that David played music to God, but not that he had some sort of magical chord. What David is more known for, actually, is dancing for God. Actually, he's more specifically described as dancing before the ark. And another reminder, the ark, if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, the ark is the container which held the Ten Commandments and functioned also as the throne for God. So dancing before the ark, dancing before the throne of God, consequently, would be dancing for God. Nietzsche might not have believed in God, but as we said, he believed in truly the sacred power of dance. So I kind of wonder what he would have thought about this passage of David dancing. Now, if we're to imagine David's dance, I think we would be mistaken to picture it as a ballet, meaning a magnificently choreographed display of dance. Instead, I think we should imagine this as being David breaking into spontaneous dance. Okay, so I'm going to jump to another passage. I told you there was a little element of stream of consciousness to all of this. I'm going to jump to another passage. Matter of fact, there's an interesting passage in the Old Testament, Zephaniah 3, and I'm going to read it to you right now. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Okay, so the part I want to draw your attention to is that at the very end of the passage, it says, and I'm paraphrasing at this point, it says, God is with you. God takes delight in you. And then it says, he will rejoice over you with singing. And here's the interesting part. The Hebrew word here that's translated as rejoice has another meaning. It can mean dance. Not dance as in waltz or any kind of structured or planned dance, but dance as in the kind of dance that's brought forth spontaneously by joy. The passage here literally means God will spin wildly in joy over you and sing. That is a far cry from the image many of us have of a staid, white-bearded, judgmental guy sitting on a marble throne, isn't it? There is something powerful in spontaneous dance. Now, I'm going to tell you a story from my family. Our little three-year-old grandchild loves music. And on occasion, a song will start to play. And if she likes it, she will say, this is my song. Now, that doesn't mean she's ever heard the song before. Even if she's never heard the song before, if she likes it, she'll say, this is my song. And she will start to dance. Her dance is not beautiful in the sense that it flows elegantly, but it is beautiful as an attempt to physically express the joy that she finds in the music. The dance she does is not wonderful because it's good or well done. It is the dance of a small child and nothing more, but it is still wonderful because it is a spontaneous, playful expression of her joy. And that's the part I love. The part I love is her joy being expressed, and this is a really nice part of the story for me. She always then asks everyone around her to get up and join her in the dance. 
I had a thought recently. I've always imagined the story of Genesis, the story of God creating the world, as being like God giving birth. A woman who gives birth is described as going into labor, and it's interesting that the term labor is used to describe both work and birth. And I will say from my own experience, having gotten to watch Sarah give birth to both of our children, I really think labor, specifically work, is an apt term for the process. So I've always thought of God creating our world and the universe beyond as a laborious process, like giving birth. And in this story, after God is done with the work of creating the world and all of creation, we are told that on the seventh day, God rested. Of course, God rested after this story. God had just finished the ultimate creation. The ultimate and largest work project in the history of time was finished. And needless to say, even God decided a rest was needed and the Sabbath day was born. But as I thought about this story recently, I came to a different way of thinking about it. Now, before I tell you my interpretation, let me say that there's not a shred of biblical evidence that I'm going to use to prove that my interpretation of this text is correct. All I have to say is this, that in my interpretation, sometimes a new way of approaching Scripture can bring about a new perspective and even a new and enhanced image of our Creator. So, let's say I'm playing a little loose with this Scripture, but nothing I say here is contradicted by the Scripture. So here it is. What if the act of creating wasn't work? What if it was play? What if it was something akin to joyful music swelling up within God and the divine spirit began to dance, began to play, began to create spontaneously for the sheer joy of the moment? What if each day of creation described in Scripture is not another struggle of labor, but is yet another layer of joy? Each time God created a new layer, the joy was further expanded, and God pushed on to play some more, to dance some more, to create even more. I love the idea that creation was not a struggle nor effort, but the result of an ecstatic moment of spontaneous play. And what if, what if the whole point of Scripture following is really to remind us that at the end of it all, just like my grandchild who enters into the dance and then begins to invite everyone around to joy, what if at the end of creation, God falls back in joyful rest, looks to us, to those of us who have been created, and asks us to dance along, asks us to play along, asks us to join God in the spontaneous, joyful act of creation. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest and look for those pictures if I'm able to post them. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. 
And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.